Welcome to Just Another Podcast. This is episode seven. Um, we're now getting underway and now have a, a couple under our belt. Today, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, a co-worker and I guess industry worker, uh, Adam Morissette of uh, Diego Draft Services. Uh, welcome, Adam. How's it going? I'm doing well. I guess it's nice, beautiful weather out now. I mean, yeah, I feel is. like I wish we, like the COVID thing would have shifted just like three months. So maybe we all yeah, can no have the summer off and start off, but like not be working during the summer and then, you know, have to be kept inside during the winter. But I guess uh, yeah. we'll take what we can get right now. Um, so Adam is a good friend of mine. I met Adam, what, almost, what, it'll be two, two years ago. Two now, right? years, yeah. Because yeah. uh, you were, your two-year anniversary at Orono Brewing Company would have been the beginning of May. Um, yeah. And then uh, Adam was my right-hand man for a while. And then he said he was going to leave me uh, yep. and, and go back home, um, back to Annie, his wife's home. And, uh, but that changed because of this crazy COVID situation. So Adam's in, the, in town for a while at least. And um, I thought, you know, I wanted to – I talked to Adam. This is weird because I was supposed to talk to someone else. That fell through. But Adam had, I, this is not like a extreme backup, like Adam's last resort. Cause I did message you a couple of weeks it's ago true. It's true. and say, I want to get you on here. It just happened to work out uh, to get Adam on the podcast now to talk about beer and um, something that is not, you can't just, I can't just pick a random person out and talk draft services. I can talk to anybody about beer, really anybody in the industry. I can say, Hey, what's your favorite beer? And you know, yada, I can't talk to everybody about draft services because a, there are bars and restaurants and even breweries who don't do it. Oh, and yeah. B, there's not that many people who have a passion for it. Like, no. I do like cleaning lines because the end of the line cleaning, you feel like you accomplished something and the next person to drink a beer is going to get the most clean and precise beer possible. But it's not like a passion of mine, you know, to, before I would want to start a company like Adam started with Eurogo Draft Services. Um, First of all, I don't want to, we don't like doing like interview, but I mean, obviously some questions help move the conversation along. Absolutely. Um, why are you in Maine? <laughs> oh man. So my wife, Annie and I first came to Maine in 2010. Uh, she's finishing her PhD in history from university of Maine. Um, so this was just kind of among our choices. Maine was what really appealed to us when we had our choice to make it where to go. So we ended up here. We were here for a few years, uh, ended up moving back to Illinois, thinking we'd have some better opportunities there. And then after about four years, we both decided that we really missed Maine and we wanted to come back and that it'd be fun for her to end her writing her dissertation being here. So we came back and still don't want to leave, um, which has worked out well because now it's looking like we're not going to have to. Um, I guess if there's any silver lining to the whole COVID thing, it's that it gave us some time to think about things. Um, so that's how we ended up in Maine. But yeah, it's just now it's just it's hard for us to leave. We love it here. We don't really want to be anywhere else. I felt the same way because uh, I mean, obviously, you know a little bit about my history and stuff. But I came back to Maine in 2016 after moving away for 10 years. And when I came back, I was with my ex-wife, and then we got divorced. And people were like, "Oh, so you're moving back to Massachusetts now?" It was immediately this that the assumption that because I didn't need to be here anymore that I was going to leave right away. And then I was like, no, I like being in Maine. Like I don't mind right. being here. I didn't want to move back in the first place because of the fact that I was happy where I was as well. But with life circumstances, I was like, no, I like being in Maine. Now I don't feel like I want to go anywhere else ever. Yeah. <laughs> looking at the news and looking at the things that go on. We just talked about ticks the other day. I'm like, that's the one thing 
in Maine we have to worry about. Like yeah. maybe a crazy snowstorm and ticks. There's and no ticks. poisonous snakes. There's no real hurricanes yeah. or earthquakes or tornadoes or I mean, really even yeah, we'll flooding. Run. I mean, there is some, but yeah. like I, we're pretty safe. <laughs> like I, you know, catching COVID potentially is probably the the, the most fear I've had living in Maine. Yeah. I'm 34 and I've lived in Maine for 24 of those years, 26 of those years. That, I mean, that's the biggest fear I have is catching COVID right now. <laughs> yeah, we're probably never going to get the murder hornets. No, see, we can't, no. And the thing is, is, I'm not pissed about it. It's just like, I feel safe. I'm in a bubble in Maine. I feel oh, yeah. I, there's I not you, much man. that can bother me, but we both, you know, Taylor and I both love Maine. So that's a, that's a cool, like we love the outdoors. We love, obviously we're, I'm in the beer scene. I love the Maine beer scene. I mean, we are lucky, lucky, lucky to be able to have hundreds of breweries in the state to, to choose from to the point where a lot of these beer stores nowadays are just doing beer from Maine only. I mean, yeah. talk about where we, you know, we obviously both work for Orono Brewing Company, but also now um, Adam's going to be bartending a little bit over at Woodman's Brew Pub as well, which is our uh, Orono Brewing Company's brew pub. Um, but Mark for a while there has had a trouble trying to sell out-of-state beer on draft. Because people will come to Maine, they'll sit down at the restaurant and be like, what's from Maine? And Mark right. will be like, you know, we have a great beer from Southern Tier in, is it in New York, right? And, but, oh, no, but what's from Maine? And so it's like every yeah. once in a while you have to like look at the fact that we are grateful enough to be in the state of Maine um, and have those beer options. I mean, you know, yep. you must feel the same way, obviously. But Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what part of what even the first time around attracted me to Maine. I love how the focus is on local uh, it's not, it's not even like, it's not just a marketing gimmick in Maine either. It's like, it really is like the main culture. People want, they want to know who's making their stuff. They want to know that they're right down the street. They want to be able to go talk to them. So it's just, I don't know. It feels much more organic in Maine. Yes. And you lived in multiple places in this country. So you've yes. seen other beer culture or beer or, or just because you've worked yes. at bars. I feel like us and maybe Vermont are like yeah, two totally. places in this even Northeast New England country that people go, it says made in Vermont or made in Maine on it. And they give a crap. Whereas like, yep. there's not many people in Massachusetts where it says like, Oh, this butter was made in Massachusetts. Like, Oh, I got to buy that butter because it's made. In right. Exactly. Yep. Maine has that feel that it's like, I want to buy things from Maine because it's Maine. And when people visit from other places, yes. they want Maine maple syrup, Maine lobster, Maine, yes. this Maine potatoes, Maine blueberries. Um, and now it's that point with, with beer and it wasn't until probably a year cause I'm going on it's my three and a half years at OBC. It wasn't probably until like year one, one and a half where someone came into OBC and was like, Hey, I'm visiting Maine from Canada to visit breweries. They're not there yep. to see Bar Harbor or Acadia or whatever. They said, well, we'll see those while we're here, but it's like, we're going to hit up as many breweries as we possibly can in this state. And that's when I kind of realized like, holy crap, there's like an industry, like a, a, a not just yeah. an industry, but a travel industry around beer in Maine now. It's just crazy. It's, it's bloomed so that's, much over the years, too. Well, I think that's, that's the main experience is, like, if you can go do a beer tour and be somewhere as cool as Maine, because, like, I mean, I'll throw central Illinois, Illinois under the bus because I lived there for years, but it's, like, <laughs> you wouldn't be, like, man, let's go to s central Illinois and tour some breweries. <laughs> and what else are you going to do? Nothing. It's central Illinois. So you like, go, you sleep okay, in till four. noon, then you go to a breweries yeah. from noon to eight, and then you go to bed, and there you go. You got your, you got your yeah. tours in, in uh, Illinois or Indiana or in that area. Really, it's not just 
central Illinois. It's the whole, like the midway. There's nothing really in Ohio yeah. and Indiana and yeah. But uh, exactly, it's fun, I mean, you it's go to crazy. Chicago. Like, yeah. yeah, get deep dish pizza. Exactly. And this area, it's like now, like you get your lobster roll and a nice craft beer, and you've done Maine. Like it's you know you're good yep. to go. But uh, you know, obviously, Adam and I have a passion for for beer. We both work in the industry. But again, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, Adam's passion is beer because you're a home brewer as well. Uh, he's yep. also helping out west, uh, the western part of the country, helping with uh, opening a cidery, uh, which is pretty cool. And we'll get we'll get to talking about that a little bit too. But what? First of all, why should people clean draft lines? Like that's the big question. Like a lot of bars yeah, yeah. and restaurants and people. I mean, there's customers out there who don't care about beer. Like, they, yep. like not to throw people under the bus because I don't want to alienate anybody, but like those who people who drink Miller Lite really probably could give two craps whether or not the lines clean or not. Not because it's not like most of the time it's not safety. It's not like, I mean, there are bars that probably have draft lines that are not clean to the point where it could get someone sick. Yeah, However, yeah. most of the time it's just dirty draft lines that the beer just doesn't taste the way yep. it's supposed to taste. Um, so why is it good to have a good clean draft line? That's, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think what you just said, like it's the nail on the head, which is especially, you know, I mean, like you said, you talked about like, you know, you know like Miller Lite and, 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 you know, draft line cleaning, of course, has been going on long before the craft beer revolution, not anywhere near as what it is now. But I think, like you said, the whole like point is kind of people put so much time into making this beer. And especially, I mean, look at like, you know, Orno Brewing Company where we are, everybody's super passionate about it from beginning to end. And then kind of across the board, you see this thing of like that ends once it goes into the beer cooler and then nobody thinks about it past then. And so you know, you don't want it the very end of your product to be like, now we're going to pour it through these lines that, that are going to make it taste like garbage. And, you know, and I know like when I was doing some of the trainings with it, the thing they would try to hammer into your head is the, uh, you know, think of, think of the keg as the final bright tank. And so when you're pouring the beer off the bright tank, you would want to treat it just like the brewery would pouring it off the bright tank. You wouldn't like hook up some dirty line that's from the corner of the brewery and be like, it's fine. <laughs> um but uh yeah and it's it, it is it, it it can dramatically affect the the flavor of the beer and it happens really really fast i mean you've got you know the industry standards a two-week window but there's there's places that really swear by a one-week window for cleanings i mean two is like absolutely like god if everybody would do every two weeks it'd be amazing but like you said it's there's lots of places that don't ever clean their lines yeah i think there's some places that will clean their lines like they don't they may not do a but like, there are places I'll, I'll, I'll pick up a place like Nocturnum. Nocturnum regularly cleans their lines. Um, mm -hmm. We love those guys and so on. But Without there's also like Mark, he would do it himself before you yep. came along to do this. Mark at Woodman's would clean his lines because he changed the beers. And, yep. and it's like, which is fine, which is the same sense. Like you said, every two weeks, as long as you're changing that beer on every line, every two weeks exactly. in general, yep. and you clean that one line, it's not like they all have to be like cleaned at the same time. But a lot of these now with craft beer industry, you're changing beers so much too. So yep. not only do you want clean lines, but you also don't want to put like an IPA over a peanut butter stout right. because then your IPA is going to taste like peanut butter stout, at least for what, half the keg? If it's a sixth yeah. like you're going to get 20, 30 beers, 20, 15, 20 beers into that keg and realize that, okay, now it doesn't taste like peanut butter. And you could, as a restaurant, obviously for Orna Brewing Company, we care about the product because we're the ones the 
we're not selling we are selling it to a bar but in our own place when someone walks to the doors of Warner Brewing Company they want a tubular to taste like a tubular and so do we right. um so we care about it but when we go to a place like you know well, I'll use Nocturnal. We love those guys. Um, we expect them to have clean lines too, because we right. want them to taste our beer. You wouldn't want someone to walk into Nocturnum. They do clean their lines. I can, t- I can use them as an example. Is, and they have a beer poured off of their lines and go, oh, that's OBC beer. It tastes like shit. Right. Yep. But they don't realize it's not the beer that tastes like shit, likely. It's the line that the beer got poured through or, the, or even the draft, you know, not just a line, but you're talking about your whole um, tap system. Um, and so I was going to put in this post when I go to publish this on the internet is I'll write the, the, the recommendations to the, uh, American Brewer Humber or America's Brewers Association, but it's two weeks for line cleaning. That's a basic cleaning. Um, what are the other, so there's two other ones too, like, or there's other ones too, but there's, uh, two weeks quarterly and six months. Right. Right. So like, so quarterly cleanings are the acid cleaning. So you do a, the, the, every two weeks is a caustic cleaning and that's for for getting rid of all the biological stuff in your lines bacterias and yeasts and um and but then you also get the beer stone and the like the mineral deposits and the buildups over time so quarterly you do an acid and a caustic the acid breaks down the beer stone the beer stone itself can impart flavors but it really it's more than it's it's a it's a substrate for stuff to grow on so you do those quarterly and then yeah and then there's also the you know fully breaking down your couplers, fully breaking down your faucets. Um, I do a faucet cleaning every time, soaking the faucets. And then, you know, and then every couple of times what I'll do like a full, like take the faucet apart. But um, so, yeah, it's all just kind of, it, it, like you said, it's exactly, it's kind of a, it's a every two week, a quarterly and a six month kind of approach to the stuff that needs done. Um, but yeah, and, and any one of those things, it's hard. I mean, you can do the two week cleanings regularly never clean your couplers and they're still going to be pretty good but but you know i you know breaking down couplers that haven't been cleaned for two years is pretty nasty like there's some funky stuff in them um, it, it, it gets to the point where i mean we've seen it we we you know woodman's uh you just clean woodman's lines or you just replaced woodman's lines because they're opening but they've been open for 15 years and those lines have basically been 15 years it's not because they couldn't afford to or just didn't think about it. it honestly was just that we just didn't do it it wasn't a bad thing it's just like after you went and looked at it, you're like yeah these probably could be cleaned or replaced we at obc replaced our lines what a year or a year, year after you opened yeah. yeah yeah we opened because i mean we kept on trying the beer we're like this tastes like a beer that was off draft and not in the way that we deal with as bartenders <laughs> that a customer no. goes that oh my god growler i want a growler because it tastes better off draft not in that way that the beer tastes better on yeah. draft than someone thinks it tasted like it came off of draft because you were tasting the draft lines you weren't tasting yep. anything it was, you were tasting oh that's tubular that went through a plastic tube like that's how yep. you tasted it at that point, Asa was just like, I'd rather drink it out of a can. Like, I'm just going to drink it out of a can because I know it tastes better out of a can than it did on their draft line. So eventually we're like, okay, Adam, let's replace the draft lines because yes. having the right draft equipment, if you wanted to open a restaurant that you were known for serving good beer, having the right equipment and then cleaning it on a regular yes. basis is what, what Adam here would make happen with his company. He'd make sure you had all that right equipment because yep. – you could open the best restaurant in the world. And if you serve your beer with the wrong tra- tap system yeah. or the wrong lines, wrong temperature, lines. wrong pressure on unclean lines. I mean, the one at OBC, like you said recently was nothing more than we upgraded from vinyl to 
then you they have a line called Flexmaster that's basically like a flexible barrier tubing and it doesn't impart any flavors. It's hard, much harder for bacteria to grow in it. And like, and that was just because, you know, having talked to like you and Asa and Abe, everybody agreed that like we do everything to the like highest quality we can. So why wouldn't we have the best beer lines on the market? And we do like every line in our tap room is, is not vinyl. It's all the newer tubing. As much as all of us as servers and bartenders absolutely hate how rigid that tubing is. <laughs> That that new flex master is the, yeah. the word flex master is a is a flex a, is not really in the actual name. I mean, it's in the name, but it's it's not. It's in the name. It's not in the tubing. Yeah. No, it's the tubing is not very flexible at all. I'll tell you that much. It's it's a you know the keg sits where it is. That that hose that the 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 draft yeah. line that goes to that's staying in that spot. You're not going to move it anywhere else. No, no. All but, they uh, mean by flex is that it won't kink. It doesn't, but it it doesn't have much flex to it. Um, and there are, yeah. I mean, you, 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 you're not the only draft services company in, in this, in the state there, but they're not that many. There's no. not that many companies who go out there and will do this. There are bars that own their own system. Like Mark for a while. If you, if you took Mark and, and Woodman's as a company and separated it from Warner Brewing Company as a whole, if Mark was the only owner, he had a, you know, the, we call it R2, the R2 unit, the, the draft. Yep. Thing. He had the ability to clean his own draft lines and he was, conscientious to the point where he knew he needed to clean them yep. um but again like we mentioned we obviously won't tell names but we know for a fact like i could probably list off five five names right now of places that i know that don't clean their lines on a regular basis even places oh, that yeah. are considered craft beer bars that switch out their beers yep. on a regular basis that oh, you yeah. go in there and someone would put a peanut butter stout take it off and then put on an ipa over it or something else a cream ale or a pilsner over it where yeah. it's like they have no adjuncts in it at all and all you can taste is peanut butter in it um so the importance is obviously not just to promote the fact that adam has a business and it's pretty cool that he can go to your place and clean draft lines the money is worth it because i feel like no matter what people pay, charge for draft line cleaning again if you're trying do you clean your dishes in the in the in the, in the kitchen right. do you yeah. you know make sure that your grill is clean at the end of the night do you clean the oil you, you know we replace the oil at obc and the fire layers every week why do you do those things right to improve the quality of this food that you serve yes. to your customer so why do people why do you think people avoid cleaning draft lines is it because of lack of knowledge I think it's, um, I think there's a huge lack of knowledge for sure. Um, I think for a lot of places it's, it's money. Um, just whether it's paying someone to do it or trading someone in house and having them do it. And, and I, you know, I, I, a lot of the stuff you get in the training is just, it's that kind of, it's breaking through that decades of culture of draft beer where, everybody's opinion was like, well, I'm selling beer. So like, who cares? And, and the, the, what they found, it's like, I, one of the trainings I was in, I mean, that was the story. A lot of these guys that are the big trainers now, they came out of like, you know, Coors and Anheuser-Busch and, um, and when they first really went out and started hitting these accounts and saying, Hey, like we've been doing a lot of research and that line cleaning is really important. It's nasty. Like the, what you're getting, not only like, you know, can, I mean, it can do all it also make hangovers worse, things mm -hmm. like that. But it also just makes it taste gross. But what they found out is most of these bars were like, it hasn't affected our sales. And these guys were saying, well, actually, like we're starting to look at it and 
we think it probably is dramatically affecting your sales. It's just that you've become used to this kind of level of what your beer sales are. But what they found is that in bars that don't clean their lines regularly or at all, there's almost always an inversion from draft sales to bottle sales and, and a large one. And of course you, you want to do the, the draft sales. So draft is way cheaper. I mean, if anybody, yeah. anybody who owns a bar or restaurant knows that, but like, it's like, it could be upwards to half the cost of what I, I mean, yeah, if not exactly. more for a, for a draft, uh, for a keg of like tubular or whatever that it is to buy a case of tubular or, or the equivalent in a case of tubular. Uh, exactly. Cans. Yeah. And so what they find is just that you find these places that then they do it. So they know they're convinced like, look, try doing every two weeks. And in a year, their draft sales are up three times what they were before. Just, and it's just that thing because just because somebody drinks a beer, they they're used to what it tastes like. It takes a while to convince them like, oh, actually this does taste a lot better now. And that's what people were finding out even with like whatever Coors Light is that mm. they're drinking it after six months of line cleanings and they're like, whoa, this stuff tastes really good compared to what I was drinking. So <laughs> it, it's a, um, and I feel like, I, I feel like there's some things that like we have the education for being servers in the state of Maine. Um, some insurance companies and then some bars and restaurants and actually areas Bangor requires us as servers to take a training called tips or, or an equivalent training, which is how to serve alcohol correctly to, to your consumers, how to not overserve them, not to, to check IDs, to not underserve or to serve underage people. Um, to say that's more of a safety thing. Why some of these companies, like, I feel like, I feel like part of it also is not to harp on any distributors per se, um, that some distributors install draft lines for companies, right? Like yep, you, you, you own a bar, right? I'm going to own, you know, Justin's pizza shop and I'm putting six draft lines in and a distributor comes to me and was like, Hey, you know what? We'll pay to put your draft lines in. If out of those six lines, you handshake agreement, cause it's illegal to do it, it to put four of those lines as right. our drafts so that we can guarantee your revenue income to pay for those draft lines and we'll clean them and we'll maintain them yep. and all that stuff, which a lot of times falls right off. A lot of times they come they in, say, which almost never happens. And they say, yep. okay. And then the people who own the restaurant are like seeing the money coming in and they see, they don't want to see another bill on top of it. Like, and they, yep. some people honestly are so separated from being behind the bar at their own bar or restaurant that they oh, don't yeah. know it's not happening. They may think it's happening because they just assume that, you know, so-and-so distribution company is the one coming when you're open and cleaning it, even though it makes no sense because you can't clean draft lines when you're open. So it's impossible. Right. <laughs> it's impossible. But I think there's a part of that too, where it's like some people just don't know. There's too many restaurateurs that are um, separated from their companies to the point they don't so know yeah. it's not happening and coming in there and saying, Hey, it's not happening. I can taste it in your draft lines. Cause Adam as a whole, like some of us who work in the beer industry and drink beer on a regular basis, uh, craft beer that you know what the beer tastes like. We drink tubular, you know, Adam's having a tubular right now regularly. So we know what that beer tastes like. If we go into Mama D's, or Mama D's is a bad name because it's an actual name of a company, but we go, if we go into Mimi's restaurant and there you go. have a tubular and it does taste different than what you have it normally, you know that mm. likely the, the beer is fine. Because on a percentage, I'm not, I don't know the actual numbers and I know we're not perfect, but we have very little kegs that are go bad. There's very little percentage of yep. OBC's kegs that go bad. So when you go into a restaurant, it tastes bad. It's not likely our keg. 
it's likely because those draft lines haven't been cleaned and you don't know that a customer equates the equals bad beer equals the beer itself is bad not yes the the vessel not the beer glass like it's not even just that you could be the beer glass that's dirty but likely it's going to be your beer lines or your or your faucets or the couplers or you know the physical draft lines are, are old and not cleanable um that obviously it's hard to tell someone to get their lines cleaned because adam makes money off of it like do you know what I mean? Like if you were a nonprofit organization <laughs> yeah. that were just going to give beer knowledge to bars and restaurants, then you, you would, people would be like, Oh, that makes sense. Maybe I will clean my lines. When Adam's like, well, here's the invoice. Yeah. You know, here's the bill for what me doing my, my services are like, Ooh, every month, every two weeks. Yeah. I don't know. I'd almost rather serve bad. beer. <laughs> and, and then know where that education comes. Do you think that it's like, do what's your, how do you tell customers? How do you approach a bar and tell them they need to clean their draft lines? Like, is it? Right. Man, I, don't I know. mean, it's a little easier now in that I think people are semi-aware of it. Um, in, I mean, there, there's there's really only like one big industry standard training right now, and that's through Micromatic, um, and they provide a lot of data on that that you can use with customers. And the big one, and that's that that they push over and over, is just that you know, you really like, you've got to show them the numbers of like, I mean, you can tell them all day about like bacteria in your lines and off flavors, but when, and like I said, it's not micromatic. I mean, Anheuser-Busch and the big guys have been tracking this for years. Mm -hmm. So if you can show a company like, you know, I guarantee you that your sales are down 35% from what they would be if you cleaned your lines. Like, being these big companies have tracked this for 20 years now and pretty much across the board you can say if you don't clean your lines on this regular of a basis you will suffer this much of a drop in sales guaranteed because even if people don't know they're drinking bad beer in a way that they can explain it they do know they're drinking bad beer but as you know like being you know a general manager and thinking about like that side of the business the average customer most of them aren't going to say anything they're just Correct. never going to order a beer, right? Um, some of them, which, and that's part of the education, that if they really knew are certainly entitled in any place you're in to go to the bartender and be like, man, this beer tastes gross. Like, can I get something else? But most people will never do that. They'll just not order your beer again. And, and, that's I, it. and I won't do it because, I mean, yeah, there's no, part I, of me, but my job in, in, in the sense that a lot of us who work for a brewery have a hard time telling someone their draft lines are dirty as well because right, of course. we also don't want to look at the dickheads that are just basically saying yes, it, you have, yeah, you're not running your business face. correct. Yes. Yeah. So um, there is time where us, I can't tell, you know, Mimi's restaurant <laughs> that they have bad draft lines because then it comes back on Orner Brewing Company that Orner Brewing Company right. doesn't like the way we're doing business. And that's the hard thing to go about doing that. But in the same sense, like if I walked into a restaurant and saw some guy pick his nose and then you know, exactly. make my burger. It's like, why wouldn't you have mentioned something like that too? So. No. And then that gets down to I me. Mean, and that's the other issue that's talked about a lot is, is how it's regulated by the state. And most states are, they basically just say like, it, it's, it's the whole, it's, you know, it, it's the wholesaler's responsibility, but there's no mandate for what that means. So nobody does it. And so like Maine's a state like that. Um, but like Illinois, when I lived, so Illinois is one of the, is one of the smaller handful of states that it's the bar owner's responsibility and for them the abc does check 
Now, all that is, is you have to keep a log and that log has to be signed either by a technician or whoever is your in-house person that cleans lines. And they do come and check them. And if you're never cleaning your lines, you can lose your liquor license. Um, and so that having been in Illinois, everybody cleans their lines every two weeks. Everybody. Because the one thing you don't want to do is lose your liquor license. And then there's like... And if you lose your liquor license, because you're not, that would come out while you're losing your liquor license. Yeah. It's because you didn't clean your draft line. Someone would be like, okay, not only does this person not have a liquor license anymore, but they also weren't taking care of the beer that I was drinking. Right. And it's, a, and you just said something and basically, and that's the comparison that people make is the like, the kitchen gets inspected. So like, if they come in and they're like, hey man, have you cleaned your grill in a year? Nope. Like, that's just not going to fly. Like. <laughs> And, and beer is a food product, right? I mean, it is a food product. And so I think that's the thing that's just, it's hard. It, eventually states are going to have to address it. Like I think I was, I did my training in Pennsylvania um, and Pennsylvania requires cleanings every week. They're the only state, but I can tell you, I went to a bar when I was in Pennsylvania and I don't think they enforce that rule, <laughs> but someone signed off on that piece of paper somewhere, yeah, but they didn't. Exactly. No, our in-house guy did it, man. Hey, uh, you over there, you're this week's in-house guy. Yeah. So just sign yeah, that paperwork. Yeah, can you sign this for me? Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it's the small things. And I guess the funny thing about it is I feel like there would be more of an uproar in a state of Maine where we have over 120 breweries. We have an unbelievable um, brewers association, like a, you know, the Maine Brewers Association. We have a, you know, Abe sits on the board. So there's a bunch of people out there. Yep. So there's a very strong group of people right that are in the industry but then you go to the yep. level below that and you look at the people that are crap your fanatics some yep. of them i would call there are the snobs and oh, yeah. not even the snobs tell say anything about it like there's not even people out there like i'm part of a, a yep. group on facebook that i, I end up having to mute because i just i couldn't do it anymore and in that group they don't talk about dirty draft lines or where they drink beer and it wasn't very good they'll immediately call out a brewery for a beer that sucks to them like they'll, oh, yeah. they'll i mean you know, they call out an OBC beer, oh, this wasn't that good, the flavors weren't that good or whatever. They'll immediately do that, but they won't say, you nope. know, this restaurant, I had a beer there. I don't know if I always, and the funny thing is, they'll say, oh, I usually have good beer from so-and-so's brewery. They don't, they immediately jump down the throat, yeah. the brewery screwed up, and it's like, well, where'd you have it? Oh, it's some backwoods place in Northern Maine. Oh, yeah. Obviously, they probably aren't doing the right things in their bar. Why are you immediately going to jump yes. down the brewery that had all kinds of good beer and you had one bad beer from them and that's why you think that their beer is bad? Like, yep. it, it's. But you and I have talked about the same thing kind of in relation to whatever, growlers or other bars, but it's like that moment where you lose control of your product, but you're still going to be judged on it is really difficult. So that's why, as we've said many times, like a lot of breweries you see, they're like, you know what? We just don't do growlers anymore because like, I don't know, like, what if you go home and stick that growler in your fridge for six months and then yeah. you serve it at a house party and everybody goes, man, tubular is the worst beer I've ever had. And you're like, yeah, it's it been looks sitting in a growler in your fridge for six months. For some like, reason, it looks like iced tea. I don't, I don't know why it's so yeah. dark. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't Weird. taste like hops at all. Yeah. So, and you know, and that's, so that's the same thing with, with draft lines. It's like, you know, you're kind of trusting these, accounts to take care of them and like you said that's hard with regulation because 
the the big companies like Anheuser Busch, they they'll tend to be the ones that will go out and check accounts because they don't want to be losing a ton of money. But I mean, your average craft brewery can't afford to go out and sample beer at every single account routinely and check the dates and check the temperature, make sure the pressure's dialed in right on the on the keg. And so and we're on top of like as a brewery and, and, and our distributor, we have an excellent distributor and, and craft beer guild of Maine. Yeah. Um, they, that they'll like our, you know, I mentioned Smitty. Smitty's one of our great, um, he's now a territory yep. manager or something. I forget his actual title now, but he was our sales rep for the like since basically we signed with craft and he'll go, we have an event. He'll make sure those lines are clean before you pour it for an event, but he doesn't have the capability in the hour man hours to sell the beer no. to you all the time. And also make sure you're putting that beer on. Cause he does sell to a lot of craft beer places that rotate beer out. So like we'll be on a draft line, but the next beer could be another brewery from Maine. So he can't exactly. just go there and be like, make sure that draft line is clean. Cause it could, we could be two or three beers in behind that beer. So we don't yep. know by the time it hits us, it might need to be cleaned in between those kegs. So there isn't enough manpower for our distributor. There's less manpower for us to be able to do that. I mean, we can, you know, sure. as a company trying to be profitable, you're trying to keep your staff down. So I can't be like, hey, Adam, work 40 hours behind the bar, but also go 10 hours around the week and go to Bangor bars and try beer and, yeah. and, and test the beer and see if the beers are good. I mean, I, I remember, I think I remember hearing a story about Sam from, um, Dog, not Dog Shed, um, not Sam. Yeah, Sam. Isn't Sam Adams? What's his name? Yeah. Yeah, Sam. Sam he, Cal yeah, from, from yeah. Dog Shed, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they, there were stories about someone, I forget who it was exactly, but there was someone who used to go into bars and he'd try a beer and if the beer was not good because the draft lines weren't clean or the keg was old, he would refuse to pay for it. Yep. Like he'd be like, I, I, I absolutely pay for my own beer that I paid to make. But if you sell me a draft, and it doesn't taste yep. that good. I refuse to purchase it. And, and he was very open about it. It was like, I own this company. That beer that's in the glass is my beer. And that yep. draft line or that beer is too warm or whatever it may be, he just would refuse to pay for it. Yeah. Um, but then there's other sides of it that I know a brewery um, who has gone into a store and saw that their beer was expired on the shelf. And instead of mentioning it to their distributor or mentioning it to anybody, they bought the beer so that it right. would no longer be on the shelf anymore out of their own pocket. They used their own personal credit card to purchase it so that this beer wouldn't be on the shelf anymore, but didn't tell anybody because if they told right. someone, someone would be like, well, we don't want to buy as much beer from you in the future. So like this transparency of liking those states that you have to sign off on something. I think I'm just looking at the bigger picture that there's not, I think it's a team effort. I think breweries need to be advocates for cleaning lines. Restaurants yep. need to, the Brewers Association, the, distributors like all of us have to work together as a team and maybe it goes down to the point where we just our part-time bartender who works five hours a week like all the way down to that person be like i refuse to serve this beer because i my tips are based on this and if yep. i serve this beer and they don't like it then i might not get tipped as well because it might be my fault and so on and so forth so i feel like as a whole organization of breweries we should be more on top of making sure lines are yep. clean i mean i, I agree wish, I, I have a picture of me I, at Orno Brewing Company, my third day on the job, third day, cleaning lines with Abe at OBC yeah. at the downtown Orno one where we, where we had that old spot. The third yeah. day, I have a picture of me with my safety glasses on, facing the opposite direction. Abe's here showing me how to clean the lines. Like that was how important it was when I got on the job. You yeah. know, like I said, third day, I hadn't done a schedule yet. I hadn't worked a bartending shift yet. 
and I'm cleaning lines back then because they were very adamant about we need to clean our lines on a regular basis. Yep. And it's not easy, especially how I used to do it. I mean, Adam has a much more streamlined and easier way of doing it. I use the four tap. I say you had the pressure pots, which are poo. Yeah. But it was, but, but it was something. And that's the thing that I don't want people to understand. Like whether or not you do it every four weeks, it's still something more than never doing it. So like if you can't afford to pay someone like Adam to come every two weeks, Adam's not going to say no yep. to once a month because at least once a month, Adam can go, okay, at least I know this draft, this, this person's trying and they're moving in the right direction. Maybe yep. someday down the road, they'll understand it's worth the actual two weeks and so on. But like if, if someone called you and said, Hey man, I only need you once a month. It's not like Adam would say, no, that's not the right thing to do because yep. he knows that it's like, it's the right step in the right direction. And the same thing like we were using the pressure pot, which is not the best way to clean a line. But at least we were doing something, and we were trying to make sure those lines were clean as possible, yeah. and taking it. Right, the pressure pot is like totally acceptable method of cleaning lines. Like nothing right. wrong with it at all. If, um, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, that's back to your question. You were like, "What's the most important?" But I think that's the thing. I think it's the education bit. Like I can say for my, I mean, you know, I mean, I have my my company, and I can do draft line cleanings, and that's great. Um, but for me, as far as the industry goes, like I'd be totally happy to if everybody just did it in-house as a consumer. Um, and that's the hard part. Like you said with money is like, I mean, you could pay to do it. You also could send somebody to get the training. I mean, it, it's like all in, everything included. It's like $1,200 or something. And if that's your manager, they're like, they're fully trained and they're certified. They can train other people to do it. So, I mean, from that perspective, why not just get your in-house guy and, correct? You know, do it yourself. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. I'm. And in, in the aspect of it too, if if you are a brewery, a lot of us breweries have tasting rooms that have draft lines. Like we are lucky enough to have a downtown Bangor location, our Martin Street location, and then in Woodman's as well. But most places around the state have one place. You have yeah. your brewery and your tasting room, your brewery and a restaurant all together. So you can train. It doesn't have to be a bartending or a manager. It could be your staff in the brewery. It could be someone you pay in the brewery that does the draft line cleanings. And a lot of us have, I mean, Bangor has what, 14 lines? And that's a lot. There's a yep. lot of, out of the 120 breweries in the state, I would say most of them have six or seven. Probably. Like it's not yeah. like, I mean, having that many draft lines, that's a lot of draft lines. There are, there's what, let's see, Bangor has Blaze that has 50 something. Yeah. And then, as I mean, I mean, Gene has twenty now, but he had twelve yeah. for the longest time. So I, I, there's not many places that have. I mean, Seasons probably has quite a few, but there's not that many places where you're like talking, you're cleaning fifty draft lines in a, in, a, in a, no. every couple of weeks. It's a lot of times, you know, five or six draft lines. Then you're doing the you do the daisy chaining thing where you put the tubes on either one, you get it all done in one shot. Like it's not this like huge undertaking excuse me obc has 24 draft lines so it's a little bit more work for for us but like it's not that many if you paying someone say you yep. had me I'm a, I'm a manager at a place and i had six draft lines what's it going to take how long is it going to take me to clean those lines if you invested like you said in the recirculating pump up front through those six lines i can do six lines in 45 minutes maybe so I say mean, an hour if most yeah. manager, if you make tell tell a manager makes somewhere between fifteen and thirty dollars an hour, I'm just throwing it out there. 
yep. one hour. It's going to cost you 30 bucks every two months. If, right. And, and if, if it I did it, two it's going to, yeah. And if I did it, it's going to cost you about 60 bucks for those six lines. So, it, it, so but, I, but the, the point about it is, is like, if you just think about it, if you sell 60 pints every two weeks, yep. you should, if you're a restaurant, and you only sell 60 pints every two weeks, you need to revisit your business model. Yeah, you need to, maybe but, wrong business. But, but, yeah. but say you say, say you sell, you know, 240 pints in two weeks. Again, not a lot. That's only like 30 cents of glass. Like you're not, you're talking yeah. very little amount of money compared yep. to what, and that's just talking about beer. A lot of restaurants have liquor. You know, a lot of restaurants you're looking at, you're, you're talking that eight, yep. nine, $10 drink is only going to cost you about two bucks to make. So you can afford to put 30 cents yeah. into a pot well, to pay someone to clean the draft lines. Yeah. And that's a bit you were talking about, about approaching, you know, business owners too, is that it's not just saying like, yeah, it's going to cost you X amount per pint, which is going to be like, my God, but bigger places like negligible, mm -hmm. but it's also guaranteed going to drive your draft sales higher. So you're, you're going to make more money than you're paying because you're cleaning your lines. And so that's the big point to try to get through to people that's hard is like, no, this isn't like, oh man, I have to pay you $300 a month to do yeah. two line cleanings. And you're like, well, yes, but your draft sales are going to go up. And it, it up. And also the, some of the things that people don't, there's no way, there are some restaurants that track this, but there are other ones. We, we don't track it as well at OBC because of the fact that we're on the point where if you order a beer and you don't like it, we'll get you a new one. We're a brewery. We want you to take, you want you to have what you want. You may have made a mistake and ordered to be there and you didn't like IPAs and you just don't like sure. it and you want a hazelnut brown ale. We'll just take that beer back. We'll dump it out. We'll give you a beer. Yeah. We don't track it that much because we're like, that's just part of doing business. But if you had, you know, three or four people in a month, take your $8 pint and not like it, but they might, there's a likelihood they didn't like it because it didn't taste good because of the draft lines. You know, three or four of those a month, that's $24 at the, at the window as it is right there. And so if you right were to there. clean those draft lines, yes. there's a good chance that at least some of those wouldn't have come back. So increasing draft sales, but also decreasing returned beer right. you know, it equals out. Like it, it may not be, you might not make $300 more a month in right. drafts, but you might make $260 more a month in drafts and, yeah. and save $100 in returned beer because of, you know, right. pouring a Or you're going to have that through. customer that, would drink draft for years, Correct. but they have those couple of bad experiences. And for the next four years, they switched a bottle. And then that's still a cost to you. Like, you know, to lose that customer that took from drinking Bud Light on draft to drinking Bud Light in a bottle. And those are the beers. If you think about it, we talk about in the beer industry, talking about like Kolsch's and Pilsner's and lagers are the ones that are the hardest to do because of yep, how clean time. the beer is. There's, there's nowhere to hide things. So if you make a Kolsch, or a lager and you don't make it correctly, a lot of us beer drinkers will go, this doesn't taste right. And there's yep. not like an IPA. If I make an IPA, if you make a, especially a homebrew, say you make a homebrew IPA and it's like not tasting you want it, way you want to do it, you can throw more hops in there or other, yep. you can add junks in there, you can throw fruit juice in there, whatever, to make it taste better and hide your mistakes. I'm not saying a lot of breweries do that, but there, it's, it's possible in a stout, a lager or an um, IPA, a, a sour, all these beers to change it with adjuncts and hops. And, oh, yeah, and, totally. And with lagers and Kolsch's and Pilsner's, it's not that way because you can't be like, oh, this is a dry – you can. But the people who drink those beers, the majority of them want a clean, crisp, easy-drinking beer. So you can't be like, yes. I'm going to add a bunch of hops to this because it doesn't taste right. 
So the same thing happens on the draft lines that you honestly almost would like go into a bar and if you want to know their draft lines are clean, order a Bud Light. Because yeah, you know what it tastes like. And, and you know it's supposed to be this, this cleaner, easy-drinking Pilsner. And you drink it and it tastes like shit. There's a likelihood that, that that's not the beer that tastes like shit because these guys brew this beer for a sign. Like, there's, there's very little number of times I've had a PBR and I've been like, this PBR tastes like shit. They right. are very good at making PBR. They make it every day. They brew ton, thousands and thousands and thousands of barrels of it. It tastes the same every time you open a can. If you go into a bar and a PBR does not taste the way it's supposed to taste, there's a good chance that line doesn't taste yes. good, and that's what you're tasting. It has nothing to do with the beer because they're professional at this. As yep. much as we in the craft right, beer industry want to say craft beer is better, these people are professionals. Anheuser-Busch is a professional at making beer. Like They make yep. beer that taste the same. And that's what I – as soon as I finish a line cleaning, that's always the first – like what I'll get everything flushed out, reattached is – I'll pour whatever the the lightest like Kolsch or Pilsner on tap is, and that's the way you can tell. And like you said, that that's really the one, man. Like where I talk about like that two week window you have, like that two weeks, man. Like a a Kolsch will start tasting like a totally different beer, like right at that two week mark. And we don't serve that. We don't like. I don't want to put on the on on everybody's minds that OBC has made does this wrong. But there's been times that Adam usually would work on Saturdays with me until you know, seven or eight o'clock at night, he'd get his shift pint and you'd sit down and you'd go, yeah, I definitely got to clean the lines this week. And it's like, because yep. Adam knows the drink. It, to the African consumer, we clean our beer lines every two weeks. So to the average consumer, people aren't going to be able to taste the difference because we do the job we're supposed to be doing. And if Adam goes, right. I don't feel good this week and he waits a third week, it's not going to make that much of a difference because we do it so often that missing a week yep. or, or postponing a week is not going to change much. But Adam will sit there and go, this tastes good, but I definitely. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be in here tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so is, we're like, oh, yep. okay, that sounds good. Yeah, I know. We're now, you know. But it's, it's, I guess, not to harp on it too much about draft line cleaning, how it's ne- necessary to people's drinking, but it's necessary. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I, it, it baffles me. And it may be because it's one of those things that we see in the industry when we talk about you know, growler sales, for example, we talk about why don't people get the fact, you know, I got a message from a, from a customer the other day saying, do you guys, are you guys putting megawatt in a growler? And I had to be honest with the customer and be like, um, we're not going to do growlers for the foreseeable future. And I'm able to at least, you know, not blame it on, and if someone asked me, I'm going to be honest with them, but COVID, oh, we don't want to bring back dirty growlers and yada, yada, yada. The truth of the matter is, is the likelihood that OBC will phase out growlers at some point in the next couple yep. of years or year. Growlers are the if you have an option to take it in a 500 milliliter bottle, if you have the option to take it in a four pack of cans, Glowler is third on that list. It right. is a hundred percent third on that list. We have yeah. bottles of beer and we have cans of beer and then you have growlers of beer. If you have the option for the first two, there is no reason yeah. to take the four. That's why when people ask me, I'm always like, well, I'm like, we have a guy whose job is to make sure that that beer is going into that can tasting exactly like it's supposed to. And like, I will do my best at the bar to do that, but I just can't. And no you're not there all the time either. I mean, Adam worked, yeah. worked full time for us for a while. I mean, he did switch to part time a little bit here, there, but you worked full time for your job was to work behind the bar, but we're also in a college town. I employed two or three people that worked five hours a week. Yep. So you're telling me the person working five hours a week is going to do a better job at filling that growler. And we do a good job. I'm not saying we don't, but yep, like we do a great job, but you're talking that person. That, that college student who went out partying the night before 
is going to do a oh, better yeah. job at filling that growler for you to take home for you to drink on Sunday. Now it's Thursday for the, for the Patriots game. Then the guy that works in the brewery that literally stares at the cans and every so-and-so cans checks the air in the can and checks the seals on the yes. cans and checks the levels in the cans and the pH levels and the yada, yada, yada. No, but we get it in your growler. You make sure you get it in your growler so you can take it home. Yep. So you can use your little, we talked about it on the boat with uh, Mark and um, Asa, but little, the, the, oh, I had this cool thing. You put it on there. It's got a little nitrogen tap and you can, you press the thing and it pours draft beer for you. I'm like, that's four beers. That growler has four beers in it. Yeah, <laughs> man. All of that work for four beers? Like, <laughs> that just seems like a lot. You know what's really cool? Is I can go in the other room right now and go in my fridge and take a can and go, Yep. And I drink it and it's fresh. And it, in the same thing we talked about, you know, to, to change a little bit on this, we talked about the, the hut and you're going to put, so not only does, you know, the dra- your line service, your draft services company clean lines, but you also install draft lines. And yep. one of the things we're doing at Orono Brewing Company this summer, which is kind of cool. And this is kind of a, it's not out there right now, but we'll, we'll say it here is that we're putting six draft lines in the hut in the, in the beer hut. If anybody's into Orono Brewing Company, you know, we have a beer hut. And one of the biggest drawbacks to the beer hut was cans. That you try to, to try to tell people that cans beer is the same as draft beer. It's not, I mean, it, we understand the idea for you to drink draft beer and want it on draft when you come to a restaurant. But if you can wait 30 seconds in line and have Adam open a can for you at the hut or wait 10 minutes in line inside and go inside instead of being outside yep. and get a, and a, get a draft beer in a glass. I mean, it, it's, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. You're not going to have, I, if you would tell me there's a difference there, you're crazy. Um, but because of that, that barrier that's hard to pass through, we're yep. putting six draft lines in the hut. It's also cheaper for us. It's, I mean, it's going to cost us to pay Adam to put the lines in, but it, it's going to be cheaper for us because a draft beer is cheaper than selling a canned beer. So we're putting the draft lines in at the hut. And so that idea of installing draft lines, um, not just cleaning draft lines, getting them installed correctly and professionally. Um, yep. One thing I've always say is I don't care if you have a, the distributor, you know, Main D or Vacation Land or Pine State. My recommendation to anybody that's starting a restaurant is have a third party install your draft lines. Don't yes. take draft lines from a distributor. There's too many unspoken agreements and there's too yep. many, you need to do this, that, and the other thing. And for us brewery companies that are on distributors that are not massive, um, it sucks for us because you can possibly open a restaurant. Right. And you, you, you go to install your draft lines and some draft company or some distributor comes up to you and says, we'll install your draft lines are free. Like I talked about earlier, but four of them need to be our drafts. The other two can't be. Yep. So then you put their four on, you already have two draft lines on. You call up OBC and you'd be like, who do you distribute through? We give your distributor information. You call them up and you come to find out you can't put a draft line on because it's not through the right distributor exactly. and all this stuff. So it's actually going to cost you more of a headache in the long run to not have someone like, Adam's company or any other the companies you live in Southern Maine or another state to have in, in an actual draft company install your draft lines. A, they know what the hell they're doing. They're not going to cut corners. You know, so, if you're paying, if Adam's getting paid to do it, he's going to do it right. If you're not getting paid yep. to do it, you're not going to, you're going to do whatever you can just to just get it in there. So. Yeah. And frankly, I mean, that's the thing with distributors too, is, I mean, you know, they're, they're on a much more of a time crunch. Um, and, you know, and that's like the conversation like Mark and I were having recently about the line install at Woodman's is like, you know, it, it's not just installing like good lines and like cleaning everything, but like, you know, there's a whole thing that goes in also to balancing the lines. So like, 
a certain length of a line run has to be measured against what the lift or the drop in that line run is, what restrictions it encounters through hardware, what your gas blend is, what the pressure of U1 is at your dispense point, and all of those things like go into a calculation to figure out what length of line you need, what length of chokers you need to create the proper restriction before the tap so that you get the right flow that you want. And, my, and you're, you're not getting that for free from no. a distributor. Like, and, and, and guess what? Part of those equations equal how much beer you get out of a keg. So if you have the wrong line length and drop and all this stuff, and you work at a bar and you go to pour that beer and it foams, 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 and that could be draft lines. It could be the keg that you bought. It could be the yep. temperature of the cooler. There's a bunch of things that go into it. But if you pull that draft line, you have to be as foam. You dump it out. Half, you're getting half the beer out of that keg. So a keg. company yep. like a big distributor solves your draft lines for you. They give they love that, no man. craps because of the fact that you have to buy more kegs. So if I have a keg oh, that only, I only get half the beer out of, means I only sell half the beer out of, which means that I have to yeah. buy another keg from that distributor. Why would they install draft lines to work perfectly? That's stupid. Adam has no yeah. stake in the fact that you make more money or don't make any money. So he's going to make you the most money so that when you're ready to go for a repair or a cleaning or whatever, you're going to call Diego and say, hey, can you come clean my draft yeah. lines because I'm getting perfect pours out of them and I'm getting you know, the right lengths and it's easy to change yeah. the couplings and they're clean draft lines and, and so on. So like we had that, I mean, I have worked for other places and you have worked for other places and I will say right now, our draft line, OBC, you pour that draft. Oh, yeah, Very rarely do you have to pour beer out. It's like, nope. in the, it's and, done. And, then, and the brilliance of like a well-balanced system is that if you have a beer that you're pouring, you know, half of it out, it takes about five minutes to figure out what's wrong. Because it's only going to be about three different things. And you go back, you adjust the pressure, you adjust the temperature, or there's something wrong with the cake. And that's it. Like, you know, it's a good system. Like you said, at OBC, our system's clean. It's balanced. It's, if there's a problem, we can figure out what that problem is. And there is breweries. We have, you know, people have bought beer at Mark, has bought beer from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of breweries over the years at Woodman's. There are breweries that don't know how to carbonate their beer well. So it is possible yes. that there is a beer that's not pouring well. But like the other part of oh, a third, a third party like Adam is, is that when you're going, we, we were set up, we were standing up with a hut the other day talking about the, the beer lines at the hut. And you're like, you could get this, that, and but you don't really need the expensive. Adam orders his parts from another company that he has no stake in. Like he's not going to yeah. oh, make you buy the $500 part when the $200 part will work for you because he'd, it, it, he'd rather just have a better service with you. So it's like, there's this mix. I don't know. It's some of these things that people don't look at when they go to open a restaurant. It's like one of those things that you wish you could give everybody the information before they open the restaurant. Yep. Some of the things you need to do, like, do you get your, your um, air conditioner serviced every year? You know, all those things that, like, do you do this? Like, oh, yeah, I do that. Do you get the uh, floors cleaned in the night? Yeah, I have, a, I have someone who cleans the floors. Oh, do you have someone who empties your trash bins? Yeah, I have someone who does that. Then why aren't you having someone clean your draft yeah. lines? Like, like it's, no. you don't re when you're in the kitchen, you don't reuse over and over and over again the same bread bag. Like if you, you know, like we have beer, we have the right. bread for the sandwiches and you cut the bread up and you put it back in the bag. Once that bag's empty, you throw that bag away. You want to know why? Because there's crap in that bag that you don't want for yeah. a long time. So the right. same or nobody goes, draft I mean, well, they do, but for the most, I mean, you don't have people going, you know, like, well, yeah, I mean, like you should change your fry oil every 
week, but like you can let it go a month. Whatever, dude. It's not a big deal. Like that. Every if if you told that to somebody eating, they would be like, "What?" Like, yeah, we just let it go as long as we can. And guess what? You can tell when you go yeah. into a restaurant and their fries are crap. It's because their oil is crap. Has yep. the the fryer temperature, the type of cut fries, and all that stuff. If you get in there and they're soaking with oil on their old looking fries, it's likely because their it oil is like old. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so there's yep. these small things. It's so funny how some people will think about it and some people push off to the side, not do the do it. If you go to a local restaurant or bar in the state of Maine or anybody any place and they have great tasting beer all the time it's likely they do what they're supposed to do yep. and they and they um get their draft lines and adam if you go to his website um deergodraftservices.com that's it if you go to a website adam will come to your restaurant you know obviously he's not going to drive to pennsylvania for you for free but like he'll come to your restaurant and check out your draft line system or give you a quote on what it would cost you to change things yep. or clean things or whatever adam's going to do his best because the best thing about someone who starts a business like your draft services company is Adam has a passion for it. So it's not just trying yes. some way to make money. It's because he's going to do it. He's not going to want to do it if he's doing it wrong. That's one nope. of those things that it's like Asa brewing beer. Asa is not going to brew a beer that's brewing it wrong because he has a passion for it. Abe is not going to do something stupid in the restaurant or, or, or the, for OBC because he has a passion for it. You know, yep. it, it's just, I mean, yes. Taylor works for a freaking engineer. She's engineering passion. She's not going to do something stupid because she has a passion for it. So find yep. those companies that are like wanting to help you. They're not doing it yep. for free because someone's got to make a living, but like they're wanting to help you. And that's something that I know personally, yeah. and I can vouch for Adam. It's, it's stupid. Sometimes his passion for draft line cleaning, like no offense at it, but there's times where I'm like, Adam, I feel like you're getting sweaty and like, flush in the face just talking about this (laughs) like you you my thing is and that's what drew me into it is just like it's i what drew me into it is it because it's one of those things that's overlooked and like as somebody who loves craft beer and has been homebrewing for years like you know and i've talked about this like with aces like i just hate the idea of all of the time that a brewery is putting into beer and then thinking that like at the end it goes in some like nasty cooler somewhere and they pour some gross ass beer for you and like that just kills me because I know the guys working in all of these breweries and like they love what they do and they want to provide you with the absolute like best beer they can make. But then all it takes is the guy in the end to be like, yeah, I'm fucking here. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the cool things about when we started OBC is we didn't sign with a distributor. So we were able to pick up like places to put our beer. Now it's a little bit less likely for that, but we have such faith in our distributor that exactly. hopefully we go into bars and restaurants that give a shit. And that's one of the yep. benefits we get hopefully with OBC is that you're getting that aspect of it. But hopefully Adam can be that person to help these other companies understand, you know, it could be the smallest thing where Adam just goes and installs a draft system. So, you know, you have a good draft system and then eventually you get it cleaned by him and so on. Draft line cleaning is huge. And, and we're, we're sounding like complete nerds here about draft, but it's like, you know, because if you like it, Adam, yes. if I called Uriah and we talked to Uriah on the, on the Uriah's our uh, kitchen manager. If we went to the kitchen and talked about cleaning draft or uh, fry oil all the time, that conversation would be about 30 seconds long. Yep. There'd be a right answer and a wrong answer. There would be no, if I mentioned, well, you know, you can go like six weeks without changing it. I would be absolutely wrong. I'd be, OSHA yep. would be like all these different safety yeah, and health doing. organizations would be bad at me. But it's like some reason when we get to the draft lines cleaning, it's behind the wall. The yep. taps are on this side. It's like the people who work at the restaurant, people who own the restaurants or bars or, or tasting rooms, 
see the tap on the outside and they go back there and they see it attached to the keg and don't give a shit about what happens between yep. the, the two of them. Yep. And it's like, and the worst part is as the, like, you know, drinking, you're the consumer drinking the draft beer is that you're, you're trusting that the bar that you're at is, is serving you really good beer. Just like you would imagine that somebody's not serving you tainted food out of a kitchen. And it's just really not often the case. And that's super crappy. And that's why I said, you know, consumers need to know too, that they're totally entitled to go to their bartender and be like, sorry, man, this tastes terrible. I mean, if you have a beer and it doesn't taste the way it's supposed to taste, here's the deal. If I tell so-and-so this beer does not taste the way I want it to taste and they clean the draft lines three days ago and they did a correct job, then it is the beer. And guess yeah. what? That likely will get back to the distributor and the distributor will likely tell the exactly. brewery, hey, by the way, exactly. this beer is no good. So whether it's draft lines or just the beer, we work in the beer industry, tell someone if your beer yep. does not taste the way you're expecting it to taste. And that's always the thing I try to drill into people too. I promise you, I promise you as a bartender, I am not offended. No. If you come up to me and you go, man, I'm sorry, just this really doesn't taste right. That's well, totally, man. Nine times out of 10, likely someone's going to give you an extra dollar for a tip because you did something more yeah. for them anyway. So for us as a server, yeah. we're going to be like, no, we're going to help you. Because yep. in, in a sense, in the same sense, Adam's job as a bartender at Orner Brewing Company and at Woodman's is to make us the most money possible, right? Because we're a business. We're not in it for free. But also, Adam knows that that customer coming back a second time is going to make Orner Brewing Company more money yep. than if Adam doesn't replace that beer for you and you don't come back. So the truth of the matter is, if you mention that you, your beer tastes like crap, the likelihood is that it's going to help the businesses a long haul. And yep. then it may be something if enough people say this beer tastes like crap, it will wake up some of these people to say, I need my lines cleaned yep. and, and, yeah. or looked at exactly. or they're old or whatever it may be. And, and it's one of those like things it. that when you see a restaurant that you know probably doesn't clean their lines, go, happy 50th anniversary. You're like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, and if, and even it's your local brewery, even, and then you tell them, I promise you, like it's you or me or Asa, like if you go, man, this doesn't taste right. Like we're going to check it. Like, it's not a, like, we're not going to wait till you walk away and be like, sure. Like if you go, this tastes really gross. Like I'm going to taste it. You're probably going to taste it. Ace is probably going to taste it. And if we all go, I think it's fine. He probably just doesn't know that style. But if we taste it and we're like, yeah, that's weird. It's off. Like we pull it. It's, it's, it's there's yeah. no question behind it because it's our, it's our livelihoods here. If we have a bad beer, it's, or a bad draft line, we're going to lose money. And that's the thing. It's like, I hate to talk about finances, but it's like, if anybody thinks that we're in it for free, we're not a nonprofit yep. organization. So we're going to want to give you the best product because we're going to know that the best product going out there makes us the most yep. money. And that's yeah. the simple answer. So if you want to be the best restaurant, bar, brewery, tasting room you want is to make sure that you do everything you can and if it's going to cost you two or three hundred dollars a month to make sure you're at that then do it yep. Cut somewhere else cut your you know stop you know whatever buying better napkins and buy whatever it may be that you buy a lot of pay a lot of money for is budget yourself for two to three hundred dollars a month if you have to for draft line cleaning if you want to spend the 1200 bucks ahead of time and send someone like adam to pennsylvania to get the training so you have that information then you can train other people then do it like it's not it's yep. not it's their livelihood we talked about it and there's all kinds of things you can go further on it but uh it's your livelihood of of your brewery your bar your restaurant yeah. to clean your draft and it's stuff. a craft right you're i mean it's a craft you're proud of it i mean the guys in the brewery they're they're interested in the in you know running a good business but they also want to give you something that they're proud of and so mm -hmm. 
that they want to know that what they're what's going out in that glass is just as good as it was when they put it in the keg. And the only thing we can really t- pay attention to is if we go somewhere and the date's wrong on the can. That's like the only yep. thing we can do. I mean, we, a lot of us go to the same restaurants and bars and a lot of them, we, we have faith in, you know, a lot of the places that we drink, we know if we put our beer on in this area, likelihood it's going to be a clean draft line because we, we, we know these people or we sell beer to them on a regular basis. But it's, it's, we rely on a lot of the customers to help us out. And if you're out yeah. there drinking beer and you know what tubular tastes like, tell someone that the beer doesn't taste good because yep. likely we can fix that somehow. And ho- hopefully it's not a bad keg, but maybe it's a bad keg. And we want that keg back so we can replace it. And we want to know, beer. yeah. Because no one's perfect. There's not a single brewery in this country who has not taken back a bad keg. I'll tell you right nope. now, I don't care how much you love your brewery and, 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 and you think they're the best brewery in the world. Every single brewery you've ever been to has had a bad keg. Every single oh, yeah, one. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So, but um, before, I know I wanted to do about an hour, but before we, you know, we've, we've harped enough on draft lines. What's going on? So you're doing, you're home brewing. Obviously, you were home, home brewing. for a number of years. You're making a good, good, you make good beer and stuff like that. But you're also going into cider. Did you make ciders before? Like, had you made, have ciders, made ciders all along? I have not, what? Well, yes. I mean, I've made them all along. Not anywhere near the frequency that I've made uh, beer. Um, but recently it's picked up. So I, I have some friends out west that are starting a cidery and food market. Um, they contacted me about starting the cidery side for them. So we're, uh, we're pretty pretty deep in at this point um looking to start construction in like three months um starting to work on recipes so so yeah now i'm like drowning inside at the house just trying to work on kind of recipes and 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 different adjuncts that we want to mess around with with the ciders um but yeah that's been the new exciting thing so i'm i'm still doing the, the draft line cleaning business which luckily luckily is really flexible um Still working at OBC. I mean, minus COVID, of course, which all of us are waiting for to be over. That helps with your your cidery. Like the the idea of like trying these things that you don't have to worry about anything else but that. Basically, yeah, absolutely. For the past three months, we're going on closer to a hundred days of being. I mean, what's today? Whatever day it is, but uh, today we're releasing this tomorrow. But this is the sixteenth. Literally three months ago today. So March 16th, Orner Brewing Company said we weren't going to open for the day and we've been closed. So we're on the three month part of this COVID thing. So three months of being able to stay home and make your own cider and beer. And so, so yep. this probably helped a little bit. Yep. Lots of zoom meetings and <laughs> as we're all doing, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's been fun. It's let me kind of focus on that a little bit. And you know, it's always, it's always fun to talk about starting something. It, it, it's weird when all of a sudden you're like, Oh no, this is, this is happening. <laughs> like we're, we're rapidly approaching the point of no return. I think we've, we've hit the point of no return. Oh yeah. Like, but, point, yeah I bet. <laughs> But so ciders is something, is something different. Is I mean, we both have we'll drink ciders. I mean, we talked about the fire starters. That was the one that you had. Yeah, you know, from talked about. country. Yeah. yeah. So there's some ciders that were like, this is really good. I think one of the best ciders in this country right now is that the first press. I mean, I, there's something about it being like tasting like apple juice that just like, why would yep. you drink regular apple juice if you, had, if you could drink the first press? Um, Taylor loves it too. And it's, she's a big cider drinker. But the cider part of it do you if, if your friends wanted to open a brewery would you be doing that too or is this just like what's the what's the is it just because it's something to do or is it like it's i mean i've, I've always been interested in being like i said i've done more time brewing but I've, I've always been really interested in the idea of a cidery this goes way back this this was a friend of mine from grad school in okay. 2004 
Um, and way back when we had even kind of batted around the idea of starting a cidery or a winery. Um, and so I think just as time evolved and looking at what they want to do with like a food hall as well, cider just made sense as a, a pairing to that. It's a little bit different. Um, you know, it, it, it's not quite as saturated in the market as craft beer is. So it's just something different and fun. Um, me, it definitely, you know, cider falls under winemaking. So a little bit different mm -hmm. than the brewing side of things. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, that was something we talked about. And so as it started coming around, we were like, yeah, let's do it. So we've, uh, we've got a pretty cool consultant helping us out. Um, he was a big cider maker. And so he's, he's kind of filling in the gaps for us, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're starting construction in like three months and we're hoping to be open like first quarter of 2021. So that's awesome. The cool thing I will say about cider is like a lot of beer drinkers will drink cider. Not every cider drinker will drink yeah. beer. So it's like one of those cool and you have your wine drinkers and your hard seltzer drinkers and all like cider is one of those like middle ground things where everybody can get involved in. Like we don't yeah. have to worry about, I mean, it is sweeter. So like you can't have as many, I don't think, but in the same sense, like there's not one person who works at Orner Brewing Company that wouldn't, if someone handed yep. a cider wouldn't drink a cider there's some people that would drink ipas or whatever so cider's in a fun place right now too i mean it's um you know it's been emerging but it's nowhere near craft beer but all of a sudden you're just you're you're starting to see people doing the same things in cider that you saw you know 10 years ago in beer which is really starting to experiment with uh yeasts and adjuncts and ways to do something different than just a basic cider like i did a cider with kvike a couple of weeks ago and that's something that people are just starting to kind of mess with now i'm looking at the fermenter it and i it was the craziest fermentation i've ever seen <laughs> which we all know like kvike is nuts but i'm like for cider i've never seen anything i've never had blow up with cider before and it was like overflowing on the floor so that kind of stuff's fun are you gonna look to do like hop cider too like i know like there's some yeah. people who do there's ciders like graft in new york yeah. who do just basically like they're a cider drinker for for beer drinkers they're a cider company yep. for beer drinkers so you're gonna do a little mixture of both some fruits some yep. hot hops gonna, some cool yeast yep we're already where we got we're gonna do some some really basic styles but really like i hop ciders are like one of my favorites so we're definitely gonna do hop ciders um working on some different kind of like adjunct fruit ciders to represent like local types of produce in the area and um but yeah, like I, I'm totally into the hopping and the adding fruit and just, it's a super fun way, especially like even to engage locally with what kind of stuff's available. And, um, yeah. That's pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited when you told me about it, I was super excited about it. Cause it was like, first two things. One is I am 100% on board with any one of my friends being like, Hey, I'm starting something new. Cause I just think one of those too many people talk about doing something new and then don't do it. Like it took me two no, uh, what was it? Three years? What's, no, four years to do this podcast. Yeah. four years. And so when I was like, I'm gonna do it, and I actually started doing it. And I was like, they had some people message me like, that's so cool, you're doing that. And you know, and Taylor and I started married into this over the the COVID situation. And uh, we were talking about like we talked about how like we married into different passions, and my Marvel passion and my beer passion. And she wasn't yep. really into either one of those. And so we're like, let's just do it. And so like people were like, someone messaged us yesterday, and we're like, I'm so cool, you guys are doing that. It's like. I just love the fact that someone's doing something that they're passionate about and you're actually yeah, doing it. Exactly. Whereas, you know, same thing with your draft line cleaning services. Like you, you just like you're passionate about it and you're doing it. There's too many people out there, including myself and probably you in the past who have talked about doing something and just not done yep. anything. And so it's really cool to see that you're doing something, but yet 
I mean, I'm ecstatic. When you told me we weren't going anywhere, I was like, Adam's not leaving. Like, I'm so excited because yep. I felt like we got close over the past couple of years. And now yes, I was like, oh, totally. damn it, now he's leaving. Because <laughs> like when our wedding was bigger and we were having 100 people coming at that borderline of who we're inviting, I'm like, oh, we're going to invite Adam and Annie. That's fine. Like, I know we'll be, it's going to be on a Saturday and we'll have to figure out scheduling. I don't give a shit. I'll figure it out. And then you're like, yep. you're leaving. I'm like, well, that made his, that answer quick, easy. <laughs> I'm not inviting <laughs> Adam and Annie anymore. And then COVID hit and we have gone down to 48 people. So no one's really invited honestly um but it was just kind of funny it was like this quick like oh adam's oh no adam's not there anymore and then cassie told me because it was kind of funny so adam was my um lead bartender at orna brewing company where he still works there but like he was the lead bartender and then adam said he's leaving so we're like oh crap now what so we talked to cassie who was like next in line and said hey would you like to become lead bartender and then adam told us on my birthday that he wasn't leaving and cassie goes oh shoot what's going to happen now? And I'm like, don't worry. Adam's Nothing. not the kind of guy to come back and be like, I want my job back and all that. So we're going to figure something out for Adam and Cassie's still here. But like, it was just kind of funny. She's like, Oh, now what? I'm like, don't worry. Don't like, it's going to work out. It's not a big deal. No. <laughs> but, um, so draft line cleaning is important. I want to get that across the line. Yep. <laughs> DeerGoDraftServices.com is a place that you can find out more about it. Adam yep. is also, I think your phone number's on there. If call Adam, ask it's everything's him, on there. Text yep. him email them, ask them questions yep. about draft line cleaning. Um, it's, it's important. Um, it's necessary. If you're opening a bar, we feel like it's necessary. Put that on your budget list. Um, also look for whatever cidery, you know, we can't say the name yet because it's not fully actually probably, I don't even think there is a full name yet or a logo, but exactly. We'll look for that in the future. Cause we're going to we'll do a maybe future a, podcast. On yeah. That, to say, right? Maybe I'll have Adam come yep. back on and we'll talk about uh, cider we'll and maybe we'll cider. Get your, your other guys to come on with it too. The people that you're doing this with. Yeah, totally. Kind of cool. Um, but I really appreciate you coming on and doing this kind of last minute. But, uh, I excited to talk to you. I haven't talked to you this long and I don't even know how long it's been. It's crazy. been ages. I know we got to get back together and have a beer. Like I just missed uh, the shift pints. I just missed you sitting at the bar after Me your too. shift and just sh shooting the shit. Now it's like, you know, I posted on the crew app today. We use the crew app to talk to everybody. And I posted that we're going to have a meeting about trying to open it. We'll be see at some point soon. And, and everybody's just like, yeah, yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. part of it's like, Oh shoot, I have to come back to work, but I miss everybody. I want to see everybody again. A meeting? Yes. Well, absolutely. Well, most of us know that there's probably going to be beer at the meeting. So that's, well, of course. that's one of the benefits of working for a brewery. Meetings usually equal beer. So, I mean, free yep. beer is always nice, but I really appreciate you coming on again. Of course, um, Adam's on Twitter, but he does his own thing on Twitter, but we're not going to, if you want to find Adam on Twitter, you're more than welcome to, but Adam has deleted his Facebook page and doesn't do Instagram anymore. I don't think God. either. So usually yep. I promote those two, but uh, you know, DeerGoDraftServices.com. It will be in the description for the podcast on YouTube and on the um, all the podcast channels. Um, check him out. You know, I'm really glad he's in here. I'm, I'm glad to call Adam my friend, and I'm glad he's passionate about something. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Of course, man. We'll do it again. Yeah, definitely. Next time we'll talk cider. There you go. I'll see you soon, man, okay? All right. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>